Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Let's get ready. Y'all ready tonight for the Word of God? Did you bring your Bibles? You ready? All right, so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Amos, Amos chapter 9, Amos chapter 9. Amos is towards the back of the Old Testament. Amos is what is called a minor prophet, not because of its lack of significance, but its lack of content. So in other words, the book of Amos is a short book. The major prophets have more words, but are not more significant, if that makes sense. Does that make sense to everybody? Nobody said anything, so I guess it didn't make sense. Okay, does that make sense? All right. So, if you're a new Christian, never be embarrassed by what you don't know. So, let me say that again. If you're a new believer in Christ, never be embarrassed with what you don't know. And what I find is, a lot of times, because we're all adults... And especially if you get saved as an adult, uh, you're scared to raise your hand and say, I have questions. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And so don't do that tonight yet, okay? But, but, uh, but I do think, though, that, um, that you have to be taught and you need to be pastored and you need good foundation in teaching and preaching and, and groups and you name it, Sunday school, whatever you want to call it. And so there needs to be some really strong discipleship, but never be embarrassed with what you don't know. So I will say this to uh, everyone here and online. Uh, When you're studying the Word of God or someone's preaching or teaching the Word of God, it's important to have three things, a Bible, a highlighter, and something to take notes with, okay? A Bible, a highlighter, and something to take notes so you can jot these things down. I'm going to give you an example. A couple of weekends ago, I was preaching a message when we were in the book of Acts, and Alicia, I got home, and she and I were discussing it, and she, some of the stuff the Lord gave her during that message was totally different than what I was preaching, but it was along the same lines. And so the Holy Spirit can speak a hundred different things, a hundred different ways to, to every one of you guys and all of those listening, and so that's just how he moves. So he can be speaking different things. Well, when he speaks, you want to write that down. Or if he highlights a scripture and you want to go back and study it later, highlight that scripture. So tonight... For sake of time, I don't want you to be here all night. I'm going to hit some scriptures, jot them down, and highlight them, okay? And and we'll you can unpack that maybe later. And I may read a few if we have time. But uh, never be embarrassed by what you don't know. So uh, if you're here in person or online, I hope you will you will subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to us by, and uh, we want to get want to get to you as much content as we possibly can. Tonight, I want to speak to you on a very important subject, and this is my title tonight, Three Things About Israel and Bible Prophecy Everyone Should Know. Three Things About the Nation of Israel and Bible Prophecy, and every single person should know these things. So here we go. 27% of the Bible is prophetic content. 27% of the Bible is is prophetic content. That's what separates the Bible from every other religion and any other religious book is the Bible. That's what separates it for its prophetic content, okay? My dad used to say, and my dad was a minister, by the way, for many, many years, so this subject of Bible prophecy, uh, it's called 
in the theological world, eschatology. Uh, this is stuff that I know really well, and I have, have a very good education on this. The reason I have good education on this is my dad, the last three or four years of his life, every message he preached was on end times. It was Bible prophecy. It didn't matter if he was preaching on tithing or water baptism. He would tie it back in to Bible prophecy and the end times. I mean, every time. So to say I have an education on this is, is saying it mildly. I mean, my dad gave us so much content Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So I've got a, a really good understanding of Bible prophecy. So um, 27% of the Bible is prophetic content. Did you know 80% of prophecy in the Bible has already come to pass with complete and total accuracy? Let me say that again. 80% of prophecy in the Bible has already come to pass with complete and total accuracy which gives us an intellectual basis to believe that the remaining 20% of prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled will be fulfilled. Do you all agree with that tonight? Amen. So are you all in Amos chapter 9? All right, so let's look at, let's go to verse 11. Amos chapter 9, starting in verse 11. In that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord who will do these things. Verse 13, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. And I will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will, and this is where I want to focus tonight, verse 15. I will plant Israel in their own land. Everybody say, own land. Watch this. These are strong words. Never. Everybody say never. Never again. And I'm reading from the NIV version. Never again. Everybody say it again. Never again. To be uprooted from the land I have given them declares the Lord your God. Notice these words. Highlight verse 15 especially. Never again will they be uprooted from their land. Did y'all see that? So God made a land covenant. There was a land covenant between God and the modern nation we call Israel, which was officially recognized as a nation on May 14, 1948. You need to write that date down. May 14, 1948, Israel become a nation. That is very, very important. Amos, long before Israel was ever a nation, prophesied that Israel would be brought back, its people, from being depressed all over the world to restore them to their land, cause restoration and rebuilding. But here's what I want you to grasp tonight. Once they are back in the land, God said they will never again be uprooted from that land I have given them. Notice the words, never again will they be uprooted from that land. How does that apply to us believers living in the Western world in the United States of America? Here's how it applies to us. 
It gives us the ability to prophesy the outcome of the current war that is taking place tonight as we speak. People are concerned because Israel is such a small nation and such a small land surrounded by so many enemies so much greater than they are. Well, I can predict tonight by the integrity of the word of God, they're not going to lose that war and nobody's going to drive them out of their land because God himself swore to be their defender and he will keep his promises. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Amen. So we believe that. Israel, this is good, Israel is the centerpiece for all Bible prophecy. Israel is the centerpiece for all Bible prophecy. And I fear, and I use that word for lack of a better word, but I fear because of all the unlearned talking heads on social media speaking about prophecy and and all of these things on the news, they have no idea what they're talking about because many of them are being deceived. And the sad thing is they're deceiving other people. Okay? So what I want you to know tonight is this. There is a a theology that is going around, and you will see this on social media. Many of you may have already had this happen to you. So if you put anything, like a few weeks ago, our church put out something, we stand with Israel on social media. And if you put a post out like that, you will be shocked at some of the responses that you will get. And the responses that you'll be shocked by are Christian people who attend church every Sunday morning. Because they have no idea the importance of the nation of Israel. And there's a theology going around right now. I don't know if you've heard of it. But it's called replacement theology. Okay? So you'll see a lot of And you'd be surprised at how many Christians are buying into replacement theology. What is replacement theology? Replacement theology is this. Christians, believers, born-again Christians like us, have replaced Israel We're the new Israel, the believers, the Christian believers. Well, if you believe that, then you don't read the Bible. Okay? Now, we've been grafted in according to Romans. We're part of that family now. Okay? We believe that. But we're not being, we're not replacing Israel. Look at what God said. I mean, some strong adjectives that he uses here. Never again. They will never be uprooted from that land. So there's some strong verbiage, and I'm going to give you some more strong verbiage in a moment, but I'm saying that because I want to pastor you a little bit because all the hodgepodge of stuff that's being said out there on social media and otherwise is crazy, some of the stuff that, that is out there. So I want you to have good foundational stuff as it, as it, as it um, uh, contains or, or speaks of Israel. I want you to know uh, some biblical truths about that. Also, if you couple that with the lack of biblical content and the narrative for which it is written... So in other words, people are using the Bible, they're misusing the Bible, misinterpreting the Bible, and the reason they're misinterpreting the Bible is they don't read the Bible. Okay, you have to read the Bible. You can't just read one verse. You've got to read the whole thing to get the full context of what is being said. And here's another thing. If you're going to say something, back it up with at least four scriptures. Okay, you need to back that up. You need to always be able to back up what you're saying. So let's go into this a little deeper. Zion, when you see Zion in the Bible, it's referring to Jerusalem. So that'll be important in a moment. Keep your eyes on Jerusalem. As the Jews go, so goes the world. The Jewish nation of Israel is God's yardstick. It is his outline. It is his blueprint 
for what he's up to in the rest of the world. So anytime you hear or read something that is going on in Israel, your ears should perk up as a Christian. Because it is the timepiece for the end times. Everything that is going to happen for the return of Christ, everything hinges and, and everything is going to go through that nation. So always remember that. Bible prophecy is not about America. Bible prophecy is not about our government. Bible prophecy is not about the next president and the next presidential election in 2024, although that is important and I dread it. (laughs) And you do too for all the nonsense that's going to take place. But I want to tell you, Bible prophecy has nothing to do with that. Bible prophecy revolves around Israel and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is Bible prophecy. So tonight, if you're taking notes, three things, biblically and prophetically, every serious Bible student must know about Israel. Are y'all ready tonight? All right, here we go. Number one, if you're taking notes, and um, my wife and others have told me to slow down, and I try, but on Sunday mornings, you all want out by 12, so I'm trying to hurry, (laughs) and tonight, I'm sure you want out too, so I don't want to keep you a hostage here. So I will try to repeat some of these things so you can get some good notes and we can get some good teaching on Sunday night. So number one, here we go. Number one, three things that you need to know. Number one, Israel is the most important land in Bible prophecy in the world. Israel is the most important land in Bible prophecy and in the world. Everything God promotes is connected to his eternal covenant. Everything God promotes is connected to his eternal covenant. How many of you know this Bible you hold in your lap is his eternal covenant? These are the words of God. My dad used to say it something like this, and I may be getting this out of context, Mom. But he used to say, learn it, live it, and love it. Learn it, live it, and love God's word. Can I hear an amen? So, number one, Israel uh, is the most important important. Um, How did I say that? Israel's most important land in Bible prophecy and in the world, and that's very true. Israel is geographically is the center of the world strategically. It's strategically placed between three continents. Here's the scripture I want you to write down, Ezekiel 5, verse 5. Ezekiel 5, verse 5. Here's what it says. I plant her, talking about Israel, at the center of the nations. I have planted her at the center of the nations. The nation of Israel is small in comparison to other nations. Only three states in the United States are smaller than the nation of Israel, and that would be Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Delaware. So Israel is a very small nation. Let me say that again. It would be uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Delaware. The nation of Israel, this is just fun facts, okay? The nation of Israel could fit inside the United States 463 times. It could fit in Canada 478 times because of the landmass. Russia, 765 times. China, 429 times. Alaska, 77 times. Texas, the state of Texas... Israel could fit in the state of Texas 33 times. Now, what I want you to know from that is God likes the underdog. He likes the underdog. 
And I'm telling you, and for all of those who would come and oppose Israel, you have no idea what you're doing. You don't have no idea the bear you're poking. When you mess with Israel, God starts messing with you. And that's why he said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Is that right? God has made, watch my words, he has made an everlasting covenant with Abraham and his descendants. That's why we call him Father Abraham. I grew up in church and Christian school. We used to sing the song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. Why did we sing that? Because what we're instilling in our kids is that our, our ancestry, when we're born again, when we're saved, it doesn't go back to just our ancestors. I mean, you know, bi- biologically, yes. But it goes back to, because now the blood of Jesus is in us, now it goes back to Father Abraham. So that is a covenant that he made, not just with them, but he made with us. Can I hear an amen? So it's an everlasting covenant that God made with Abraham and his descendants. Now, not only did he make that covenant with Abraham... In Genesis 15, verse 18, he made that covenant with the land. And he described the boundaries of the land. And he said, this is it right here. This is the boundaries. Here is the land. And I make covenant with you. And I make covenant with that land. It's an eternal, listen to my words. It is an eternal, irrevocable covenant. An eternal, irrevocable covenant. Genesis 17, verse 19. It's an everlasting covenant for Abraham and his descendants. Genesis chapter 16, an angel said, the blessing was on Isaac. So everything you're seeing over there with the Hamas and the terrorists and all of that, it can be traced back to Abraham and Sarah getting impatient with God. And as Michael Bethany said this morning, waiting is very important. Don't go with plan B. Always stick with plan A. And God told Abraham and Sarah they would have a child, and that child would, through that child, they would be the father and mother of many nations, as much as the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky. But they got ahead of God, and if you remember, Abraham and Sarah come up with a plan for him to sleep with her maidservant, Hagar. And out of that affair, out of that relationship, came Ishmael. Well, Ishmael was not the promised son. Isaac was going to be the promised son. Can I hear an amen? Now, to this day, those two brothers hate each other. To this 4,000 years later, they're still fighting. So I have a big brother. Biologically, I have a big brother. We fought all the time. And and, and my brother can make me madder than anybody. I love him to death. Now, I love him. Now, if he got in a fight, I would come to his rescue. But there's just something about brothers sometimes where they just can't get along. Anybody know what I'm talking about? These two brothers, the hatred. Guys, we're talking about thousands upon thousands of years of hatred. That these two people groups, they hate each other. And this angel said in Genesis chapter 16, he said, The blessing is on Isaac, not Ishmael. And he said, These two brothers will always be at war against each other. In fact, I think it's the NIV version says, they would always have hostility towards each other. Always. Hamas, again, I'm just repeating myself so you can get it. Hamas is the descendants of Ishmael. Okay? 
Romans 11, Paul said, and I'm going to paraphrase Romans 11, but Paul said, do you think God has turned his back on Israel? Never. Never. That's strong words. The Jews have always had that land, but were driven from that land by Rome. And I'm going to give you these dates twice tonight. They were driven from their land in two dispersions, in A.D. 70 and A.D. 135. A.D. 70 and A.D. 135. Did you know there are thousands of verses connected to the Jewish people and to that land, the land of Israel in the Hebrew Bible? Bible. According to Bible prophecy, Israel is the most important location on planet earth. Are you all ready for, for point number two? Everybody get point number one. Here's point number two. Jerusalem is the most important city in Bible prophecy and the world. So not only is Israel the most important nation in Bible prophecy in the world, Jerusalem is the most important city in Bible prophecy and the world. The most important city in the world, contrary to what many, many believe, is not Washington, D.C., it's not London. It's not Paris, it's not Rome, it's not Moscow, it's not Beijing. The most important city in the world is Jerusalem. That is the most important city. God declared Jerusalem would be the capital 3,000 years ago in Psalm 132. Write this down, Psalm 132, verses 13 and 14. He said, I will sit, I'm just going to kind of give you the nuggets of it, but he said, I will sit in throne, and verse 14 says, my... that Jerusalem would be his resting place. He says, my resting place forever. (laughs) That's a big word, man. Forever. Everybody shout out forever. Every nation that took over that land, the land of Israel, could not declare Jerusalem as the capital because they couldn't because God was the one to declare it. Okay? The Bible mentions Jerusalem more than any other place in the Bible. In fact, the Bible mentions Jerusalem 800 times. Y'all think that's important? I think so. My dad used to say anytime Scripture repeats itself, it's repeating itself for a reason. If it's talking about Jerusalem 800 times, I think that's a sign for us to say, pay attention. He's saying, pay attention, pay attention. This is important. The Bible says that after the second coming of Christ, it would be, Jerusalem would be the entire world's capital. So when we talk about Jesus coming, and of course people have different beliefs on this, and I don't know who's right and who's wrong. I know my beliefs according to the Bible, but we know about the rapture, so the rapture will take place, and and then the second coming of Jesus is actually when he comes back with everyone, the bride of Christ, and they come back to the earth, and he will rule and reign in Jerusalem. Okay, scripture to back that up is Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And then Luke chapter 1, verse 32, the resurrected king of kings will reign in Jerusalem. Okay, everybody got point number two. All right, here's number three, lastly and most important. Now, watch what I'm about to say to you tonight because this is huge. Everybody say huge. In eschatology, which is end-time prophecy, end-time stuff, there is what is called the super sign. So if you study this, you're going you're gonna to hear a lot of theologians, they're going to talk about the super sign. Everybody say super sign. 
So the super sign of all Bible prophecy, this is the super sign. Here's point number three. The super sign is this, the regathering of all the Jewish people back to the nation of Israel. In other words, they call this the super sign to say, when that happens, it is a sign to say Jesus is coming. Okay? Let me unpack this for you. This is the most important prophecy in the Bible. Let me give you some scriptures. Jeremiah 30, verses 1 through 5. Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 24. Ezekiel 37, we're all familiar with Ezekiel 37, the dry bones coming back to life. And he says, can these bones live, son of man? Y'all know that scripture? What he's talking about is Israel being rebirthed. Well, we've already established that Israel was, was, became a nation May 14th, 1948. That's Ezekiel 37. Those bones are coming back to life, and they became a nation for the first time. So I read that, in fact, this morning, early this morning, I read Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. I'll refer to those in a moment. Here's another one, Zechariah 10, verses 6 through 10. Zechariah 10, verses 6 through 10. Now I want to read to you, you'll bear with me here for a moment, I want to read to you Jeremiah 30. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there if you want to. Jeremiah 30, verse 3. Jeremiah 30. Verse 3. When somebody has it, say amen. So, Alicia, do you have it? Read that for us. Hang on. I will what? I will bring the... Back. Okay, keep reading. Says who? <laughs> Says the Lord. Watch these words. The Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. Listen to what he says. I'll restore them to their land I gave their ancestors. And he said, I will bring them back. Everybody say back. Okay. I am the Lord and I have spoken. They were dispersed again. Israel was dispersed from their homeland in A.D. 70 and A.D. 135. We are here and have seen this happen in our lifetime, the Jews coming back to the nation of Israel, and I'm going to show that to you. Two prophecies that must take place before the end. Here they are. Number one, Israel must become a nation. That's already happened. Became a nation again in May 14, the May 14, 1948. Here's another caveat, okay? Here's a little side note. Jerusalem was declared to be the capital of Israel by our former president. Watch this. On May 14th, 2018, 70 years to the day. 70 years to the day, Israel became a nation. 70 years later, Jerusalem became the capital of the nation of Israel. What I'm trying to tell you guys is this has already taken place. Secondly, the Jewish people must return to Israel. The Bible says this will take place in two stages. 
Ezekiel 37, we've already referred to it, the dry bones. This is prior to the Gog and Magog war in Ezekiel chapter 39. I said this from the beginning when I heard about my phone started blowing up that day when when Israel started being attacked there in Gaza from pastors all over the world. And it was kind of like a, a, a thread with many pastors on it, you know, just talking about, hey, did you hear what happened to Israel? And so when I first heard the news, I was by myself and I was actually praying about Sunday service and getting Sunday service ready. So I was already in a mind of prayer. And I just began to think, could this be setting up the Gog and Magog war? Now, I will talk more about that. In fact, one of the subjects that's on my heart for here is to talk about the Gog and Magog war and kind of unpack that uh, with you. Uh, so it, it started, the, the children of Israel, the, the Jewish people, it, them coming back, it started in 1871 when a few Jewish people felt a mysterious pull back to their homeland. And that was their words, a mysterious pull back to their homeland. That was in 1871. In 1881, 20,000 returned. 25,000 returned. By 1914, over 80,000 returned Jews returned back to Israel. By 1939, 450,000 returned back to Israel. After World War II with Hitler's Holocaust... If that did anything positive, it brought the Jewish people back together and they all said, we have to go back to Israel. Now, guys, is that a coincidence? I don't think so. And of course, one of the pulls back to Israel was them becoming a nation in 1948. On May 15th, 1948, this is a good date, May 15th, 1948, so the same year they become a nation, the next day, The United States was the first nation to recognize them as a nation. Now, that's important. Watch this. America has always had success when it followed Israel. When we follow Israel, our economy and everything we do flourishes when we stand with Israel. Is that a coincidence? I doubt it. In fact, you can back this up, and I'll talk about that in a moment. You can back up everything I'm saying with data. That everything I'm saying, you watch the timeline and you watch on the booming years of America when we were the most prosperous, it was when we stood with the nation of Israel. Guys, there's something to this. But when politicians who only give lip service but no action and they leave $94 billion of our finest military technology in Afghanistan... Now, you know, if you're listening online or wherever, I don't think anybody in this room would disagree with me. And I don't know this for a fact, so take it or leave it, I don't know. But I've been told by people with integrity that some of the weapons that we left in Afghanistan are the same weapons they're using to bomb and rocket Israel right now. Think about that. It's one thing to say you're Israel's political ally with political mouth. It's another thing to back them with your actions. When they became a nation, approximately 650,000 had returned. Watch this date. In 2009, 5.4 million. 
5.4 million Jews had returned to Israel. A very important date. Write it down, 2009. Why is that important, Pastor Jay? Because it's the first time in history you could say there were more Jews in Israel than any other place in the world. What I'm trying to tell you is the prophecy has been fulfilled. What that means to us is Jesus is coming. Come on, Jesus is coming. Come on, clap your hands. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Now let me wrap this up. Now seven, watch these words, watch the numbers. Seven million Jews have returned. I'm telling you that to say this, the Bible, what the Bible says can be supported by data and facts and research. All you have to do is research it. And by the way, if you're researching facts or history or something, Google is a fine as an okay place. But if you're wanting to study theology, don't use Google to look up theological answers. Okay? The reason for that is it's manipulated. They manipulate that stuff. So there's some great software and Bible platforms that you can get on that will help you. So don't take the secular world's view of these these subjects, okay? Because they'll tell you all kinds of things. But data can support what I'm telling you tonight. Over half of the immigrants that have fled to Israel this year are from Ukraine because of the war that is taking place there, and all of this ties into Bible prophecy. The projection of Jews that are projected to return to Israel in the next 10 years, in in 1920, I wasn't living then, in 2020, I stood at one community on the platform, and for those of you who were there, I had a whiteboard, and on that whiteboard, I drew a graph. And I said, guys, I don't know what's going on here, but the the Holy Spirit's talking to me. And he used the word, if y'all remember, I used the word accelerate. Now, what happened during COVID and the pandemic is things started accelerating very, very fast. I mean, things just started happening. Now, things we used to say, how could that happen? Now we're starting to see how America can shift and how things can happen politically and how they're crippling our nation with a word called fear. And so we're seeing that. So things have accelerated. In fact, in that message, when I had that whiteboard out, if you'll remember, I said these words. I said the next three or four presidential elections in America are huge. Y'all remember me saying that? So we could say it like this. The next 10 years are huge. Pastor, are you saying Jesus is coming back? T- no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not, the Bible says no man knoweth the hour of the day. I don't know the hour. I don't know the day. I'm just telling you by the Spirit of God, in the next 10 years, it's go- something's going to happen. It's very important between now and, say, 3033, something's going to happen. Now, I don't know if that's the return of Christ. I don't know, but I'm telling you, things are accelerating, and they're projecting in the next 10 years, 13 million are projected to be living in the nation of Israel in the next 10 years. 13 million Jews are returning back. What did you read a moment ago? I will bring them back. I will bring, everybody say back. So 13 million in the next 10 years. 80% of Jews are either in America or Israel. And Israel now has the largest population of Jews than anywhere in the world. This, is ha- this has been being and or has been and being fulfilled in our lifetime. You and I are living Bible prophecy. We are living it, guys. We could be the generation that sees the coming of the Lord. That's what I'm telling you. 
This has been and is being fulfilled in our lifetime. This is what, what is called by theologians the super sign of all Bible prophecy is when the Jews return back to the nation of Israel. But what does the, what does the super sign point to? And I've already alluded to it, but it's worth doing it again because it just feels good coming out of my mouth. All of this means the return of Jesus. The return of Jesus is knocking at the door. It's closer than we think. Can I hear an amen? So I close with this. Miss Marianne, if you'd come to the platform and just play something softly, we're going to wrap this up. But don't put your notes up because I'm going to give you something to to write down in just a moment. Pastor D, you need to write something down because you're going to do something with it. So, anyway, edit that out of the audio. Okay. All right. So I close with this. And I look around the room tonight, and, and uh, in the room, I know, I look at most of you guys, and I, I, I just know, just know most of you have made that decision to follow Christ. And I feel like most of you are ready for that. But guys, we have no idea who's listening to my voice right now that don't know Jesus have no clue. And they're hearing something like this for the first time. Did y'all know I was talking to a therapist the other day and they, there is such a thing among believers. And this is sad to me, but there is such a thing that therapists are now calling it rapture phobia, where Christians are freaking out, scared because of the rapture of the church. They're scared to death. What does Timothy say? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. On my way here, I, um, I had to stop by the funeral home, and, and Bill and Tammy McCloy go to our church, and wonderful people, and, and his mom passed, so I went by there real quick by the funeral home, and, and uh, Bill took me over to the casket, and, and I saw his mom, never met her, but saw his mom, and he was talking about his mom, and we kind of cried together and talked a little bit. And um, then I left there, and my heart was just heavy. And many of you know my dad. He's buried right here in Smackover Cemetery along with a lot of my family. And so I just made a buzz through there and, and uh, drove by Sean, by Sean Strickland, uh, his graveside, and, and uh, said, How's it going, Sean, <laughs> as I drove by? <laughs> and uh, anyway, just thought about him and was like, Thinking about you, buddy, and driving by there where my family's buried. And, uh, I just stopped to pray before I come over here tonight, and uh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait when we see our loved ones again. Guys, what is there to be scared of? Like, what is waiting for us is beyond comprehension. It's beyond anything. The Bible says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered our hearts. The things God has prepared for those that love him. You know, talked about Jesus and, or Jesus was talking, excuse me, and he said, if you evil fathers, you earthly fathers, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to you? Amen. He's a good, good father. That song we used to sing, he's a good, good father. And he loves you. And he has so much, so much in store for you, Tammy. Your dad and your mom, we just buried them just the other day. Your dad, anyway. And uh, we stood out there. And I'm telling you, as I stood and preached his funeral and I stood at his graveside, 
he's not going to be there long. <laughs> and the Bible says in Thessalonians that, that they're going to have a six-foot head start. And if anybody's got video cameras, they're going to see a show if they're not saved. Because those graves are going to burst open. Amen. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Grab, grab your notebooks because I'm going to give you some points here. But just stand to your feet and we'll transition. But um, I want to ask you tonight, those in the room and those listening online, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Matthew 24, verse 44, For such an hour as you think not, as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Guys, the only thing left to be fulfilled is the second coming, where Jesus is coming to rapture his church. That's the next thing to happen. The rest of it's happened. The next thing on the agenda is Jesus coming to grab his bride. We should have an aggressive urgency. So I'm talking to the believers in this room tonight and listening online. We should have an aggressive urgency because the Bible says, Night cometh which no man can work. Night cometh in which no man can work. What I'm telling you as believers is we have to win the lost at any cost. That people are not ready to meet him. As I drove here tonight, drove by so many people out doing things and great. I love doing family things and bonfires and all, all that's wonderful things to do. But I couldn't help but think as I drove by getting ready to preach a message like this, how many people are not ready? If Jesus come right now, they would not be ready to meet the Lord. They wouldn't come. They don't even know what's happening in a service in a, in a place like this. If they only knew, if they only knew. Could it be like Noah when, when the flood came that they were beaten on the side of the ark? Sin let us in. But it was too late. In the last few years, we've seen an acceleration of Bible prophecy being fulfilled. I believe the next thing is the rapture of the church. And the Bible says it will take place like a thief in the night. May we live ready to meet the Lord. May we live ready to meet the Lord. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're in this room or you're listening online. And you never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I would be honored to introduce you to him. And so tonight, it's as easy as just saying with your mouth. The Bible says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. So there's an action that takes place. There's a corresponding action. And I say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I repent of my sins. I believe you died. I believe you rose. And I believe you're coming again. If you pray that prayer, the Bible says you're saved. With those words out of your mouth you're saved. The next thing you need to do is you need to make a public commitment. So if you're listening or in this room, you need to make a public statement that I'm coming to Christ and you need to publicly come up. He said, if you're not ashamed of me before my, uh, or if you're not ashamed of me before men, I will not be ashamed of you before my father and his holy angels. So there needs to be a public statement to come forward to a church service, to get in a good Bible believing church and walk forward and repent of sins and make that public commitment. And then the next thing to follow that up is water baptism. You need to be baptized in water as a sign. It's, it's an outward sign of an inward expression that happened inside of your heart. So those are the three things and we would love to help you with that.
Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado. 